Our gospel this morning is from Matthew chapter 22. Please stand. Once more Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. While the rest seized his slaves, maltreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find in the wedding banquet. And those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. The king, then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The word of the Lord. Thanks. In the name of our triune God, amen. I would like to begin this morning by taking you behind the scenes a little bit of what goes on during our week here at Shepherd of the Hills. I think many of you might know that Pastor Scott, Pastor Joanna, and I have an incredible opportunity every Wednesday to gather with several local pastor friends in the uh, area uh, around lunch to study that week's particular Bible text. This group of people has, uh, this group of people around the table has at a minimum 28 years worth of combined postgraduate theological education, decades worth of pastoral and ministerial experience, and invaluable information about the entire biblical narrative gained from said education and said experience. Add in some extra prep and study before we get there for and from the Bible studies we get to read, uh, that we get to lead each week, and it becomes clear that there is some incredible wisdom around this table. See, Pastor Scott is smiling back there because he knows where I'm going because this past Wednesday, we all gathered around this table for lunch with all of our knowledge, all of our experience, seven uh, master's degrees or almost master's degrees, some with almost uh, uh, doctorate degrees. We all gathered around lunch to read this very parable that we read this morning and we had no earthly idea of what Jesus was talking about here. We sat there for an hour trying to go through every possible scenario and came up at the end of our hour and 15 minutes together saying, huh? It's a rare thing that a text like this comes up in our lectionary where we can discuss it for hours, basically, and debate the implications it might have in our lives and in our churches and still come up with 
absolutely nothing. This, my friends, is indeed one of those texts. This is just another parable in a long line of parables where Jesus' words seem harsh and confusing and most certainly leave even the most educated among us shrugging our shoulders and shaking our heads in wonder, completely confused, confounded, and honestly unsettled. So if by the end of this couple minutes worth of a sermon, you feel the same way, I hope that you now know that you are in very good company. So then, what are we to do with this text? This text that is filled with every possible human emotion a person can feel. What are we to do about the complacency, the violence, the grace, the violence, the shocking turn of events and the rhetoric, and oh, did I mention the violence? Did you feel that awful feeling in the pit of your stomach when Jesus' vision of the kingdom of heaven is one where people kill the slaves for spreading an invitation of welcome? Did you feel uneasy when the king's retribution to those people was to kill them in return and then burn down their entire city? Did you feel the shock that came with the pronouncement of condemnation from the king to the man who was not dressed properly. Did you feel that? And this? This is Christ's heaven? Feels a lot like what we already have going on here, doesn't it? So then, oh Christ, what kind of heaven are you actually dragging us into? There's a lot of speculation on who's who in this story. Many want to put God in the role of the king. They want to make God the one who has the retribution on those who do not share in God's love and instead welcomes those who are least according to our standards. Might seem a little unlike the God we know, and so I even equated it to the retribution of God to all of humanity in the story of Noah and the flood. Others want to make the man who was cast out into Jesus for one of these looks not like the other, so much so that we must cast them out into the outer darkness, perhaps even to the point of death itself on a cross. Some argue that Jesus is alluding to Judas being the one who is cast out because of his coming betrayal of his master. Yet in all this hubbub of trying to, de to decipher the code and to interpret who's who in the parable, we can forget that Jesus does not begin this parable with the life of the Christ is like, or God is like, or the disciples are like. No, Jesus begins this parable by saying the kingdom of heaven is like. And when we really stop to think about it, I mean, when we really honestly stop and examine what's going on, I think we can and probably should honestly say that this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. I think there is an argument to be made that this parable is actually about all of us. It's made, uh, the argument can be made where we are all, in fact, the king. 
We're all that first set of guests. We're all the second set of guests. And we're all the one without the wedding robe. See, this parable, I don't think, is so much a cast list as it is a revealing of a system, a revealing of a community where everyone is actually everyone and every reaction can be quantified in the here and now. And if we take the time to be vulnerable to ourselves, I hope that we can actually admit that we can see ourselves in each aspect of this parable. So what does this mean for us? What does it mean to be the king or the first set of guests or the second set or the man without the wedding robe? What does it mean to be called but not chosen? I wish I could answer this for you, but unfortunately that's not my role here and it's not what my sermon is going to be about. My sermon cannot be a set of guidelines for you to live by so that you don't end up like the king or you don't end up like the guests or that you don't end up like the man without the wedding robe. I think, I truly think, that this is not what Christ is asking of us either. See, I think Jesus is trying to help us see the issues that plague us from within our very souls. And I think the gospel writer of Matthew uses this incredibly intense and harsh imagery and language to really drive this point home for us. Christ is speaking in this parable, standing in the midst of the temple after his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Christ is speaking here in the stead of the marginalized. Christ is is exposing the people of power and the ways that they cast out so many because they do not look proper or act proper in the temple. Jesus is trying to expose the violence and the hatred. And I think Jesus continues to do this for us today. How often do we get exposed? And how quickly do we want to throw those people out into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth? We see this all the time around us, don't we? One group cries out against another, and they are thrown into the outer darkness simply for daring to speak for a community suffering from injustice or a revocation of rights. Another group is cast out because of their ignorance or their morals. One group throws another out because of how they worship, what their political views are, who they love, how they dress, their wealth and status. The list goes on and on and on and on. I agree. So what do we do then as followers of Christ? How do we respond to this parable and the message it has for us, which continues to permeate our own very existence today? How are you called into this kingdom of heaven, which is filled with so much violence and so much hatred all around us? How do we respond? I know what I feel with this parable and what I think this parable is calling me to do. I feel a call to extend that open invitation of love and welcome to all of the guests, even if it means that I am to die because of it. It means that for me that I am to uh, even welcome the king who killed his people. 
This parable helps me understand that when I see violence occurring, that it's my duty to expose it. And I hope that if it is I who is causing the harm, that I will also then be exposed. I know it is my call to use my words and actions to be, in fact, an ambassador of the gospel so that all might see that we have all been created by and because of God's never-ending love for us. A love that is for all, from the rich and the powerful all the way across the spectrum to those who have been cast into the outer darkness. Because Christ tells us that all of it is found in the kingdom of heaven. I've said it time and time again that these parables are meant to capture our imaginations and to guide our discussions as we continue to figure out what this whole kingdom business is all about and how we are called to be a part of it. So this is our mission today. Just today, this morning, right now. And maybe later when you're at the cookie stand on your way home, but this is our mission now. Our Christ is asking us to reflect and to expose ourselves so that we can live more fully and freely with each other in the love and the grace of our Creator God. Our Christ is calling us into these hard and deep and meaningful and incredibly vulnerable conversations with each other so that we can find freedom in the love of God. And so that all of creation might also then find freedom in the same love of God that, expe- that extends throughout every place and every time. So, by the power of the Holy Spirit, may you now dive deep into these conversations and into the call of our Creator who has been deeply united to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.